Brothers and sisters of faith, it's always good to not only worship with you, but to be able to open the word uh, as well. I'm going to choose a text this morning that uh, is certainly a part of our mark, but it's also, you've, you've heard it, it was read in Matthew. So we've got a Matthew, uh, a Mark, they're parallel texts. We're going to, I'm going to reread the uh, Mark text, but I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back in the Old Testament and, and look at the root or the, the background of the text that actually Jesus used in the New Testament. So I'm going to ask if you would turn with me to Isaiah chapter 56. Uh, the 56th chapter of Isaiah is uh, in the midst of the prophet's reflections about, um, about the kingdom, about the king, and uh, here about the place of outsiders, uh, foreigners to the kingdom of God. Let me read it. Chapter uh, 56, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come, and my deliverance will be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, doesn't profane it, and keeps his hand from doing evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, well, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I'm just a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name, a better name and a better monument than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, holds my, my covenant fast, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in the house of prayer. Their burnt offerings, their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, declares, I will gather yet others unto him, besides those already gathered. <clears throat> the prophet's words were re-read, re-spoken by Jesus, and I want to reread that now from the parallel passage to the one we read earlier, but now from Mark chapter 11. <clears throat> and they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer? For all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. The reading of the Word of God. 
I'm going to pray for us and ask that God might take these words, this text, and just let it ring in our hearts this week. Let me pray. Father, would you come to us, move our hearts, move our sense of being in your presence, that your words would cling to our hearts. We have often wandered, and we easily wander even as we hear your word. But this is your house, the place where you dwell. Father, come, speak to us, show us the nations, show us our place in the world of your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It was a, um, an after study uh, after the last 2007 uh, census, and I'm not quite sure how they came up with it, but uh, if you're a number cruncher and you get enough data, you can crunch almost anything, right? So <clears throat> here's, here's what the, the uh, numbers said, that uh, on average, Americans tend to move 11.7 times in their life. Now, I don't know if the 7.7 is you were considering moving and you didn't, or where that 0.7 comes from. But let's figure 11 different houses in your lifetime. Now, the number is actually too low for uh, people of color and for people who are uh, from a poor economic uh, status and, and level in our society. So at best, the average number is 11. But indeed, most of us have moved a great deal more. Uh, Debbie and I actually lived in 25 different houses the first 25 years of our marriage. Uh, that's probably more than average. Uh, <clears throat> but we've had some great places, and we've seen an incredible number of houses. I want to show you some of the places that we have seen. We haven't actually lived in all of them, but we've visited uh, and uh, the variety of houses are just sort of astonishing. So let's, let's take a look at some of them. Uh, there's, uh, there's, first of all, a grass and animal skin house, uh, usually in hot places, uh, uh, somewhat more uh, desert. That's why the grass isn't quite used as much, and usually uh, by shepherds. So they use the goat skins and the the camel skins and whatever kind of skin they have, and they will cover what they have. It's home. And actually, the home moves. Uh, it's quite a, an event to watch a camel, uh, as we did in Eritrea, uh, with the house on the back of the camel. They dismantle it, and uh, they'll put all the sticks, which are hard to find again, and they'll put all the sticks on the camel, and they put, fold up all of the the um, skins and off they go to a new place. So I don't know if that counts as the 0.7 for them. Let's see, they take the house with them, but it's in a new place. Well, there's another kind of house and it's a mud waddle house. We spend a lot of time, a lot of the world actually lives in a house like this. Uh, sticks again, but uh, now packed with mud. Uh, sometimes a tin roof, sometimes a grass roof. It all depends on what they have available. Then there's a grass thatch house. 
Uh, and if you note, if you've ever had a privilege of being in a grass thatch house in a very, very hot place, this uh, particular picture comes from Tricana, where Debbie recently was. Um, <coughs> the grass thatch is actually the air conditioning system. It's a lot cheaper. Uh, it doesn't usually uh, run on electricity. You just uh, wait for the breeze to sort of go through the grass. Uh, you might consider that, except right now it's a little too cold for a grass thatch hut. So there's another kind, and that's a dung-covered hut. I know that that may not appeal to you, but it really doesn't smell, uh, except for the fire that usually burns inside of the grass hut, or inside of the dung hut. And there's a little hole that lets the smoke out, but it doesn't let very much out, so you just have to endure the smoke in your eyes. That's the uh, dung-covered hut. Then there's a cardboard house. Uh, cardboard houses uh, are seen all over the world. Uh, they don't tend to hold up very well in the rain, so uh, they have to be often resided. And, uh, but, you know, it's not too hard to find the siding parts. And then there's the plastic bag house. Uh, plastic bags uh, tend to do a lot better in the rain, but the problem is that when it rains, they usually have little pockets in them, and so after the rain stops, it keeps dumping water inside. But there are many who live in plastic bag houses. Before we left uh, Ethiopia, we knew a lot of the realities of Haile Selassie. He was um, a well-known emperor. He lived in uh, an incredible splendor. And uh, this is the old palace of Haile Selassie when we finally got to visit it. It doesn't have the lions anymore, not the real ones and not the fake ones. It no longer has the gold. It no longer had uh, all of the ornamentation. It was all stripped off. So it doesn't matter what kind of house you're talking about, there's one thing in common with every house, whether it's a plastic bag house, a paper house, or Haile Selassie's palace, or your house. And that is, time will tear it down. It will diminish. So what I want to do is I want to ask you to think with me, what is a home? What is a house? Well, <clears throat> a real home, a real house, is a place that we go back to, we gather to. It provides for us. It gives us shelter. It gives us security. Uh, if, if you've come from a house that, uh, that you have loved or a home that you've loved and has loved you, it, it directs where you're going. But the truth is, not everybody has a home like that. Not everybody has a house like that to go back to. For some, there is no security. For some, there's no provision. For some, the future and the direction that they get out of their home and out of their house is a broken direction. And it's a life full of brokenness. So our home, our house, is of significance. The um, movie Home Alone would sort of tell us that it's not a good thing to live in your home alone. I think that was the point of the movie. Um, but you know, actually, a lot of us like to go back to our home and withdraw from everybody. So for you, home and house is a place of seclusion. It's a place where you can push everybody in the world away, and you can just sort of enjoy being alone. 
But actually, that loan time, it might be for the opportunity to repair, to renew, to get ready for the next spot, but God's greatest blessing is not when we're alone. So this text actually requires us to ask a basic question. What does God's house look like? Because it says, my house. Jesus repeated it. He said, isn't it written, my house? So God's house. Well, I don't think it's mud waddle. I don't think it's a grass and skin house. I don't think it's Emperor Haile Selassie's palace, even in its best days. There's something unique about what Jesus said, my house. Yes, he was standing in the temple, which was even more grand than this church building. But there was something going on inside of it. It was, it was terrible. There was a defrauding of people. There was a cheating of people. There was a, a merchandising of faith. Jesus said, my house. And he wasn't referring to the building it was in. He was looking at the reality that you and that I get to enjoy even today, and that is that God's house is the dwelling place of God. God came in the form of Jesus Christ, and he walked amongst men and women that were hurting, and children who were hurting. Men and women and children that would all go back to a building that they called house and home, back to parents, back to siblings. But the parents could never really deliver. The siblings ultimately were going to be disappointing. In other words, the family isn't really everything we wish it would be. I don't know of a perfect family. Uh, maybe you do. Maybe you came from a perfect family. But what I do know is that when I think about God's house, it's the dwelling place of God, where Christ has come, and he enters into us. He enters into you. He enters into me. You know what that makes us? It makes us the house of God. And so there's white hair and black hair and brown eyes and blue eyes and green eyes. And there are hands. Some are broken. Some are stuffed in pockets. Others are outreached. And there are ears to hear, to listen to stories, to embrace. We are the house of God. You. And we gather. God gathers us. So when, when Jesus said, my house, he's putting a name on it. He's putting a place on it. He's putting a set of values on it. It gives us an identity. It's not my physical family that looks like me, that has my kind of hair, that has my kind of eyes. I visited my mother last week, and 
saw all the wrinkles that she has, and I think, yeah, well, I've only got half years. Just give me a few more years, and I'll, I'll get the same number you've got, Mom. When we came back from Kenya, Jesse was uh, teaching one of the Baltimore City schools, and he began to tell his story, and so he became known as the American-African teacher. Uh, you know, your identities can be really strange. And our house, our home, is often what gives us that sense of identity. God says, my home, my house. And so we get to have his identity, the identity of his strength, of his power, of his provision, of his truth. That is my home, and that's your home. And when Jesus entered in the temple and he saw all kinds of strange stuff going on, he says, listen, this is not what happens in my home. Get out. He said, my home shall be called. Called. You call it. You give it a name. It's going to have an identity. It's going to have a truth. It's going to have a set of values. What are those values in God's house? No. What are the values in your house? You remember as a child, maybe you wanted to invite your friends home. Uh, for some, that's, that's sort of a painful exercise. I'm not sure I want my friends to meet my mother or my father. So maybe, maybe I won't invite my my friend's home. But maybe you came from a family where inviting your friend's home was, was, was something you wanted to do. Uh, you wanted to share who you were. You wanted to share not just the fact that you had a name and that everybody maybe in your family had that name and maybe they didn't all have that name. But you brought your friends into it. My house shall be called, Jesus said. And we are called by his name. We're called by his characters, by his characteristics, by his values, by his truth. And when we don't live out that truth, we're bearing a name falsely. That's why the text tells us, listen, there are foreigners have joined themselves to the Lord, people that maybe wouldn't have been considered to be a part of the house of God, but, but they've joined in. Now, maybe they're thinking, wait a minute, I, I'm, I'm just a stepchild. I, I'm going to be put out. I'm going to be disinherited. God doesn't disinherit. Maybe your heart has wandered from the true center of God's home, of God's house. And you recognize that your heart has gone after some other things. And I'm not talking just about the Amazon, you know, where you can sort of figure out what your next thing is that you want to buy, and you hit the send it now, order it now, pay later. It's really easy to get new things. But fundamentally, our hearts yearn for God's sense of peace, for God's sense of presence. For God's provisions, not for Amazon's provisions, but for God's provision, for God's blessed presence in our lives, but we wander. Our hearts wander. They desire something that we shouldn't 
desire. And we don't desire enough abiding with God. And that's why the text talks about, um, about the eunuch saying, behold, I'm just a dry tree. I can't really produce. I haven't produced. What have I done for God? What have I done for the kingdom? We think, we think of how our hearts wander and how we've wasted our time, we've wasted our energy. We think, well, it's nothing. I came to God's house. God put his name on me, but I've let him down. I'm... Now it's all over. That's what our heart tells us. But God says no. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath. Say, oh, yeah, well, see, I haven't done that either. So now you roll back into your mind everything you did wrong. Get to this. God says, because this is the context of Sabbaths. A Sabbath is a place and a time where we're renewed, where we come into the presence of God and we recognize, I need to rest. I need to rest from all of the chaos around me. And I need to grip again on who God is. So Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. He said, well, there it is again. I, see, I don't pray very good. I don't pray enough. So I must not be long in God's house. A house of prayer. Prayer is not, as Jesus said, the man who stands on the street corner and lifts up his arms and says, I thank you, God, that I'm better than all of these others. I fast, I pray, I... No. That wasn't his house either. And that wasn't the prayer that Jesus had in mind. The prayer that Jesus had in mind was the one who looked upon himself and said, I'm broken. I don't have it. My act isn't together. And this physical home isn't working for me. This physical family isn't working for me. I need Jesus. I need the presence of God renewing my life. That is my prayer. God, would you renew me? So when Jesus said, my house will be called a place of prayer. A place of where we come to understand our need. The city of Baltimore just gathered around us. Johns Hopkins. I live in the footprint of Johns Hopkins. This Penn Lucy is also in the footprint of Johns Hopkins. There are at least 4,000 international students that come every year to Johns Hopkins. That's just that one school. That's not to talk about all the other schools that are within close driving distance around here. If you added all of those, you'd have more than 10,000 internationals looking for a home because they've been moved out of their home. Maybe it's just a year. Maybe it's two years. Maybe it's three years. Do they have a home? Would you take them home? or you don't want them to meet your mother. <laughs> what is it that keeps us from drawing people into our home? If our home 
is like God's home. Let me take you to International House, Baltimore. It's uh, two doors away from us. And um, it's always been full of international professionals. Uh, Not first-year students, but usually postdocs doing significant, amazing things in the world that most of us never hear about. So multiply the faces in that doorway looking for a home by thousands. And you realize we're sitting in a place that God calls the nations. And he brings the nations right here. He doesn't want us to disconnect. He wants us to connect. My house, Jesus said, will be called. It will have the value sets. It will look like. It will embrace. It will do. It will be a house of prayer where we simply recognize our brokenness and our need. And it will be for all peoples. This is Jesus' unity statement. It's not just race. It's not just economy. It's the language we speak. It's the culture we've come from. God says, my house, my people, my place, the place of my dwelling is for all peoples. And when you and I are broken, when we are on our knees praying that God's presence will fill us, and we gather together, the nations come to us, and they have, that they might also have the presence of Christ in their lives. One of the women in the picture that you saw in International House Baltimore worked for many years in China and in other places, working with people in various phases of death and personal destruction. She said, I I once met a Christian in China who had hope when they were dying, and I didn't understand it because we don't believe that there's hope. God brought her here. The nations come. And what Isaiah says, what Jesus said, is that he's not done, that there are more. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel That's you, that's me. The broken ones, he gathers us. He declares, I will gather yet others besides those that are already gathered. Beloved, we're gathered here. You may know some people that ought to be gathered here, but their hearts have wandered. They have left home. And they need to hear, and you need to hear again, 
Jesus' words. Come home. Come to my house. Come home. Be filled with the joy of my presence. Cast away the brokenness. Put the pieces back together. And I will be in your presence. My house will be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Go. Call the peoples. Allow the presence of Christ to so dwell in you that the nations around you, people that aren't like you, people that don't have your name, people that don't have your face, people that don't have your language, might know the King of Kings is dwelling and his household will never be destroyed. There will be no broken steps, no hole in the wall, no missing ivory, no. In his house, we might be missing some hairs. <laughs> we might have extra wrinkles. But God dwells in us. May he dwell in you and call the nations to that glory. Let me pray. Father, would you fill us with that glory? Fill us with the joy of being in your presence. We bring back to you the brokenness, the failures that we look at our own lives, our homes, our houses, our dwelling places have not been all that we wanted them to be. They've not fulfilled our dreams. But you, Father, you call us again to taste of your presence, to rejoice in your joy. So send us out, because we have gathered around your throne now. And we want that joy, that joy of being in your presence to radiate out from us. That you might yet gather others, that your house might be full. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Beloved of God, you've come, you've gathered. Let me have you stand and give to you the blessings of the king. The blessings of the king come to us because we're his people. We may have broken covenant, but he puts it back together. He loves us and he keeps us. So these, God says, I will bring to my holy mountain, to my holy place, and I will make them joyful in the house of prayer. Their burnt offerings, their sacrifices will now be acceptable at my altar. So may the Lord bless you.
May the Lord keep you. May God cause his face to shine upon you as he dwells in you and makes you an instrument of his peace. Amen.